0: On today's episode, I have special guest Daisy Shearer. Daisy is a PhD candidate in experimental condensed matter physics at the University of Surrey's Advanced Technology Institute. Her PhD research focuses on semiconductor spintronics for quantum technology applications, which all sounds very fancy, and I'm going to get Daisy <laughs> to explain it. <laughs> um, you might know Daisy from her amazing Instagram page, which is at Notes from the Physics Lab. And she's really passionate about equality, diversity and inclusion in STEM um, Kind of with a focus on disability and neurodiversity, as she is autistic herself. So, Daisy, do you want to say hi? <laughs> sure.
1: Uh, so, hi. I'm Daisy, and yeah, I am a PhD student uh, studying physics, and I also happen to be autistic.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. And I think let's let's start with the whole autism diagnosis. When, about in your life, were you diagnosed? Yeah,
1: so I was diagnosed when I was 21. So this was back in late 2017. And I was in the final year of my undergraduate degree which I did an MPhys in physics which is a four-year degree that also has a year in industry uh where I did my master's research so I ended up um taking a placement that was close to my parents house so I was living at home mm-hmm. and um that was kind of really great because um I didn't have to worry about living independently which i had been struggling with a bit but it also meant that um I was going through a lot of this stuff with uh battling with my mental health and then potentially you know we were thinking could i be autistic and uh it meant that my mum could come along with me to the gp and and sort out you know chatting to him and seeing if he'd be happy referring me and, and eventually I, I went with her to my assessment so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah 21 which you know relatively late in life um, but fairly common for women on the spectrum perhaps yeah Mm
0: -hmm. no definitely um that's really interesting like obviously like your final year of that segment of your studies as well like that's a lot to like juggle as well as like kind of coming to terms realizing you're autistic after 21 years um and how did you kind of find like your university were they like accommodating at all like understanding
1: yeah actually um So we already had um, some experience with a close family member who'd also had their autism diagnosis quite recently, which was kind of what set me on that path. Mm -hmm. Um, So we knew that I could get disabled students allowance Mm -hmm. um, after being diagnosed. Unfortunately, you do need like evidence and stuff to access that kind of support at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we went straight away. <laughs> to contact the university's disability services after I was diagnosed and, and they helped me apply for my DSAs and then uh, put me in contact with my disability advisor okay. and I went and had a chat with him. and um, they set me up with a specialist mentor who I've been seeing most weeks mm-hmm. uh, since then, so it's been, you know, three or four years of support with her and and she's really great um helping me at uni and with autism related stuff
0: yeah Mm -hmm. oh that's really good to hear like was that almost did you know that you were going to kind of stay on at surrey uni or was it kind of you kind of felt quite comfortable having kind of settled in there and that's why you kind of stayed for your like phd
1: yeah, I mean, it was definitely a factor. The, the main reason I ended up staying was of the PhDs I, I applied for and got offered. The project was the most interesting to me. And then it also happened that I already had a relationship with the disability services. And I felt, yeah, I felt really comfortable with um, the people who were supporting me as well. So it was kind of just luck that that also happened to be the most interesting research um, that I was offered. So
0: yeah. Oh, that's great. At least like... As well, like you said, you already had the relationship with like the disability team and you didn't have to go through that whole process again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of energy to just explain like your history and your yeah. support needs and stuff. So yeah, they already oh, need so good. it was great.
0: <laughs> um, how long, like I always find it interesting to hear like how long people waited for their diagnosis. Like did you have like a long like waiting time or were you seen pretty quickly?
1: Um. It's a little bit fussy, to be honest, but it was—it was definitely, you know, several months. Okay. Probably three to six months. Can't, can't put an
0: exact okay. uh, time scale on it, but yeah, so. Okay, that's not too bad. of yeah. interesting.
1: <laughs> It's—it it's, wasn't a terrible way, but it was also just like I wanted to get it over and done with, and know if, you know, yeah. if I was autistic or not, and yeah, there's a lot of introspection going on at that point in my life, and mm. and this certainly for me was very empowering but equally i wanted to make sure that it was 100 percent correct so going for that assessment was a really key part of it and getting those external eyes on me as a case and and mm-hmm. yeah getting assessed by a, a whole team of lovely people who <laughs> if you're professional and and have lots of expertise
0: in that so yeah that's good I'm glad like you were able to take your mum in like I took my mum in because I was like I don't remember my childhood whatsoever so (laughs) it's so helpful
1: yeah they asked her like questions about when I was a baby as well obviously I don't remember when I was a baby and my childhood is fairly fairly fuzzy so yeah Yeah. mum came and we also brought one of our dogs she sat out in the car so We went and walked her a couple of times throughout the day because I was there for the whole day. So that was really lovely because she's a big support. So, yeah.
0: Oh, That's such a good idea as well, like in terms of a break. Because like they asked me during my assessment, like, did I want a break? I was like, well, I can't really like go anywhere or do anything. Like, because I was in like a a hospital building. But that's good that you could like actually like get out out for a bit and come back. Yeah, it was really lovely, actually. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) So how how far are you through your PhD at the moment?
1: So I started in 2018, so I'm in my third year, but I have taken six months of temporary withdrawal throughout it due to some various things like mental health stuff. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of chronologically just started my 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 third year in terms of my registration um yeah so PhDs generally in this country last three to four years so I'm kind of the end is in sight I'm (laughs) due to graduate next year or early in the year after
0: so okay and do you know like what you might like to do afterwards are you like looking at like kind of researchy kind of things or in terms of a job do you know what you might like to do
1: Yeah, definitely research.
0: Research, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And do you think you want to kind of, I feel like you kind of say that you want to stay kind of local in terms of like your support network and stuff like that. Do you think you'll do, you'll kind of stick around?
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends where the interesting research is. That's Mm. where I want to go. But Mm -hmm. equally, there's a lot of good physics in, in the southeast here so it's i'm likely to hopefully stay close to home um but yeah as time goes on i am getting better at independent living and everything and Mm -hmm. you know with the wonders of you know video calls and stuff i do keep in really close contact with my family um which is really nice so yeah
0: that's like also like the next step for me like independent living because I still live with my parents and I'm just like oh like (laughs) it's such a like tricky thing to do like and it can really like I don't know totally unbalance your mental health so I definitely get like it's important to stay in contact with people and like ah change is just so difficult
1: (laughs) here's the challenge I live with my partner so you know we kind of pick up where the other one kind of drops the ball sometimes which does help but it's not the same as living at home um yeah
0: oh no that sounds good though that's good that you're both like looking out for each other though Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) that's
0: important so I was going to ask you like when did you start up your Instagram because I think I've been following you since I started my Instagram account which was a few years ago and Mm -hmm. yeah what was the kind of inspiration behind starting it Yeah,
1: so I started it in, I think, December 2018. So it was a few months into my PhD, really. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share some of what I was doing day to day because not many people know what an experimental physics PhD student will do day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of intended for you know my family and friends to be able to show them like hey you ask what I do every day here's some pictures and some information about it all yeah. um, but it kind of it kind of took off a little bit and, and I've had a lot of interest in it mm-hmm. but as well as talking about physics and my research it's kind of become a bit of an outlet to discuss lots of topics to do with my my sort of life in general really so obviously being autistic is a big part of my lived experience so I do do touch on those topics in my blog and um, on Instagram because they're important and I think uh, talking about our stories is is, you know key to more acceptance and more understanding Um, Mm -hmm. and I certainly know that it's helped some of my colleagues understand a bit better um, how I function Mm -hmm. and I kind of like having that big Mismatch mash of stuff with you know <laughs> physics, mental health, autism. You know all these things um, um, yeah. that I'm quite passionate about and make up Daisy, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think it's like it's really interesting to see like. Because a lot of people follow on Instagram, you kind of see just sort of the personal side. But actually with you, you can see like the professional side and the like, you know, you studying as well as someone who's autistic. And it's really interesting to see like your process and like just you working in the labs and things like that. And like, I don't know, just all this, all the stuff like you say that makes, you know, makes up Daisy and like what you're passionate about. And it's really interesting to see like behind the scenes of your kind of studying because when you just say what you do people are like oh okay (laughs) whereas if you see what you do you're like oh right you're like working with like you know things in the lab and I think you also have a magnet called Emily is that right yes a
1: magnet (gasps) is called Emily
0: (laughs) (laughs) I saw that and I was like oh my god (laughs) excellent great name. yeah and
1: I found out that a lot of scientists like also name their equipment through oh. instagram because i didn't really know that before i just oh. thought my my supervisor was a bit of you know uh i don't know a bit odd maybe but apparently yeah. it's a common
0: thing to do so yeah oh, I no love that, she's emily though. and she's lovely <laughs> <laughs> i love that you like as scientists you have this bond with your equipment like mm. <laughs> mm. that's really nice oh i think like also like as part of your instagram you you kind of like share the sort of the different like Kind of struggles you've had, like not just kind of academically and personally, but I think, like, I think I saw that you had to kind of fight for the right to certain accommodations. Like, I remember, like, Susie's seeing about a cupboard space and stuff.
1: Yeah. So Is this like- was yeah in my first year, I was working with my specialist mentor to try and get a couple of co- accommodations in place because I, I didn't disclose front to my supervisor. Um, mm-hmm. I actually had a couple of months at the beginning where I was desperately trying to act as neurotypically as I could mm-hmm. and it didn't go well so I kind of we disclosed to him um but I was I had a little bit of struggling with how unstructured a PhD is and mm-hmm. also um the the advanced technology institute where i work it has these huge open offices and i was really struggling um with my sensory processing um in that environment so yeah we we had to go through quite a long process of of trying to get a space where i could retreat to if i started to feel like i was having some sensory overload Mm -hmm. um because i'd had a couple of shutdowns uh which are not fun (laughs) <laughs> and um yeah we wanted to mitigate that a bit so it just seemed to take ages and ages for the university to do anything but um okay. I think that's just bureaucracy and yeah. <laughs> wasn't anyone's fault in particular um mm-hmm. but yeah I eventually got the key to this little room um it is I think it is technically a cupboard but it's quite it's quite a large cupboard and it has a desk in it okay. um I think that they used to store all of the servers and stuff in there. Um, right, yeah. But, yeah, it's just somewhere where I can close the door. I can t- switch off the lights if I want to. Um, I also – the disability services have loaned me a weighted blanket to keep on campus for my PhD so that that lives in there as well so if I start to feel overwhelmed it's just somewhere I can go and I didn't really have that before Mm -hmm. because even in the lab you know people pop in and out from time to time so Mm -hmm. yeah it's really made a big difference to my ability to go onto campus and Mm -hmm. and work to my full capacity
0: I suppose yeah oh that's amazing that's so great to hear like it's also it's not that like big an ask i always think like these accommodations like you just want a, like a quiet safe space to be able to just kind of retreat to every so often like mm. you're not you you know you weren't asking for your own office kind of thing yeah, but yeah. that's great that they've been able to kind of set out for you and even just the little things like having a weighted blanket there all the time and you don't have to log in your own <laughs> one. Yes. Quite, quite a lot of effort i imagine <laughs> oh that's yeah. so good oh, i'm glad to hear that they did like set it up eventually um, mm, I, I think, think
1: with these things like a lot of the time reasonable adjustments are kind of foreign to a lot of people mm. so it can feel like i don't know they're not even sure how to begin with it once the request's gone through mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean the disability services has really helped and there's always that reasonable part of it so they kind of handled the this is why this is reasonable for daisy yeah and uh, and that really helped so yeah i mean hopefully i mean i want to see a, a time when you don't need evidence or a diagnosis to get reasonable adjustments um mm-hmm. because you know i'm sure a lot of people would benefit from that kind of you know people with anxiety and stuff they might yeah. benefit from a quiet space they can go to mm-hmm. and all these kind of things. The other thing is I had uh, adjustments for my confirmation viva, which okay. is a, it's an oral exam that at my uni we do at the end of first year. And it's basically to make sure you're on track with everything. Mm-hmm. And we had a few reasonable adjustments for that as well. Go through. So things like I had it in a different room to where it would have usually been. And I closed all of the blinds in the room because, yeah, it was a bright day and and I just needed somewhere that wasn't too much Mm -hmm. visual input for me. Um, Yeah, and there were a few other bits. I can't remember the details right now, but that really helped as well. But the university is still quite new to that kind of thing. Like, I think when lecturers think reasonable adjustments, they think extra exam time. And that's yeah. kind of the default but there, there is a lot more especially when you get to phd level and you're essentially a, a research staff yeah. um so obviously i'm not doing exams but apart from oral exams um mm-hmm.
0: but yeah
1: hopefully we'll see we'll see more that reasonable adjustments coming more sort of mainstream i think
0: yeah. yeah i hope so and like just like you say like even I think most people would get nervous about, like, an oral exam or, like, a presentation. And, Mm. you know, for us as autistic people especially, like, it's kind of another level of anxious um, and, you know, sensory overload. So that's great just to, like, be able to have it in a slightly different space and make the space work for you. Like, that sounds Mm. just so much better.
1: Yeah, um, um, my specialist mentor had also gotten me this big basket of all of their, like... Um, fiddle toys and stuff. So oh. I was using a tangle the whole time, and and that just really helped focus my mind. And mm-hmm. I felt like I performed a lot better than I would have done otherwise. So yeah,
0: that's great. The fact that's that you good. like realised as well that actually you did better because of just these little adjustments. Like mm, mm, mm. I, I just always think like the way they say reasonable adjustments, it's, it makes it sound like quite big, like when actually. Sometimes it's just like a few little tweaks and actually you can perform that much better. Mm, Yeah, for sure. I'm glad to hear like your uni's been like on board with everything. Um, Mm. I think that was the one thing I was a bit like, like jealous about because I didn't get my diagnosis till I was 25 and I was like out of education by then. And I was like, damn it, I could (laughs) have, I could have had, you know, just that little bit like extra support union stuff so it's it's nice to hear someone like actually benefiting from it
1: <laughs> yeah it's i have that as well with like oh, i wish i'd been diagnosed like in first year or whatever but yeah. you know I, I i benefited from it a lot during my phd so yeah
0: how do you find having like the label of kind of autism because i find it quite a positive thing but i know people have like mixed opinions
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's taken me years to kind of process my diagnosis and kind of own it. Mm. But I do like the word autistic. I find it really useful in terms of my identity and in connecting with other autistic people. Um, I think there is still stigma there. Like when I disclosed to my supervisor, I definitely think he, his perception of me changed, even though I haven't changed at all. (laughs) And, there's definitely sometimes, you know, it's challenging to explain what autism actually looks like versus what the stereotype looks like. Yeah. Um, and and that's always, you know, continuously self-advocating and, and educating on it. But yeah, mm-hmm. for me, it, it's definitely a positive thing in my life, I think. That's and that's good. partially why I do so much work sort of
0: yelling about
1: it whenever I can. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think it's really good like all the outreach stuff that you do and mm-hmm. like even like we can talk about your um your other Instagram account which is at neurodivergent in stem mm-hmm. like do you want to explain how like the kind of idea behind that as well
1: yeah sure so this definitely came out with my own experience and not having any autistic role models in physics mm-hmm. um yeah, and especially autistic women in physics who I could look up to and kind of, you know, identify with. Um, and I thought that that was kind of missing. It was kind of inspired. There's a lot of these kind of projects going on in STEM at the moment, which is amazing. Um, things like 500 Queer Scientists and things where oh. they, they we basically spotlight people with a certain identity within STEM. So STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Mm -hmm. Um, So I sit in the science, possibly the technology and engineering as well, um, (laughs) because I'm pretty sort of multidisciplinary in in my work, Mm -hmm. even though I'm a physicist through and through. Um, So I just wanted to make a place where, you know, I could share the stories of other neurodivergent people in STEM fields and, and help make connections between us and also raise awareness and, and acceptance around neurodiversity and I wanted it to be not just autism mm-hmm. because I know that there's, you know, neurodiversity is such a beautiful thing, I think, um, the, the paradigm and I wanted to shine the spotlight on other people as well so people with adhd dyslexia dyspraxia all those kind of things Mm -hmm. and it was important to me to stick with the neurodivergent label i think because i'm aware that some neurodivergent people don't identify as disabled so i wanted it to be a space where those people felt that they could share as well i i identify as disabled because i find my autism quite disabling at times living Mm -hmm. in this society but yeah i just wanted to be nice and open so we basically have a website uh, where we share these little self-submitted profiles and Mm -hmm. they're just about people's background what they study or what what their research is in and then if if they want to they can talk about their form of neurodiversity and, and how it kind of interlinks with their work or with with themselves um but there's no pressure at all to to you know announce what what your diagnosis is it's it's more of a if you want to you, you can do that mm-hmm. so yeah and then we put them out on instagram as well as you said and we also yeah. have a twitter and a facebook okay. um and on facebook as well we have a group wh- which people can join um to connect with others in their field um who are or or you know other people nearby geographically as well mm-hmm so it's all about making connections and sharing people's stories so I think it's so important
0: yeah, yeah. oh that's amazing I didn't realize that you had um, the Facebook group as well I'll make sure to put like all the kind of links in the show notes for <laughs> for all your awesome. links. yeah <laughs> um that's really interesting though um like I don't know just to kind of find that sense of community within like STEM like as you said and I find it really interesting like I'm I'm a designer I'm not necessarily in the like STEM field Mm -hmm. but I find it really interesting to hear from like you said like people from all like walks of life and literally like worldwide we're talking yeah (laughs) yeah, working on so many like amazing things and it's it's really kind of interesting to see like where people's like passions are and also I feel like for some of the people that you kind of um, show that it's you know a real special interest for them that they've (laughs) you know really kind of not like fixated on but like have just loved like dedicating their lives to and I think that's so it's so fascinating
1: (laughs) yeah I was totally gonna say like it's so nice when people's special interest aligns with their career and and that passion just always comes through it's it's brilliant Mm -hmm.
0: yeah exactly and then it almost doesn't like for me I'm really like, interested in design and doing work as a designer almost doesn't feel like work because you enjoy doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if that's the same for you as like you know, a physicist, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. it's uh, <laughs> Applied quantum physics has been a special interest since the middle of high school for me. So yeah,
0: oh, it's not that so surprising.
1: Funny. This is where I ended up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> At least like, because I feel like in secondary school and stuff, a lot of people don't really know like what direction they want to go in. But like... I always kind of knew, and it sounds like you kind of knew which sort of where you wanted to go potentially. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was. Yeah, I was a bit of an all rounder, but I definitely by the by my GCSEs, I was like, yeah, I want to do science. <laughs> and then there was just a moment where we were learning about um, like filling up electron shells in atoms, and my teacher talked about spin, and I just became fascinated by that. Oh. and now I now I do spintronics which is all about electron spin so yeah I just remember becoming fascinated with it and just reading everything I could about about quantum physics and mm-hmm. being like oh this is such a difficult subject but it, it's so fascinating and I never knew if I would actually
0: make it mm-hmm. in in this field but here I am trying my best anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing though, that you can like pinpoint the kind of like Time as well that you, you first like got interested in it, and mm-hmm. I, uh, what I appreciate about like all your stuff online is that you're very kind of open and honest about like, you know the good the good days and the bad days. Like it's really nice to see someone who is, you know, really passionate about their career, but also is you know, having to like juggle her mental health and like all the like social stuff and eye contact and ah. <laughs> like, it's, it's really like, I always say this to like people on my podcast. I'm like, I, like, you know, I don't like to see people struggling, but it's really nice to see people struggling with the same thing as me. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the trouble with social media is that it can become a highlight reel. And yeah. I, I never really, I never wanted that. I wanted it to be like a reflection of, of what, What my life is like at the moment, obviously not my entire life. All my personal stuff is a little bit more private, but Mm. in terms of my mental health and yeah, disability, that's all. I'm an open book on those things, and I think that that can be really powerful. And I always love to see. Well, I don't love to see other people struggling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same. I know what you
1: mean. (laughs) You know, I feel a lot of solidarity with with others who are going through similar things, and I think it can help a lot. Especially with imposter syndrome and all of those things, it's like, oh, I'm not the only one who gets super anxious with this. Or, yeah, yeah, doesn't feel exactly. like I belong here the whole time. Yeah, it's nice.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. <laughs> and how have you like found the whole sort of COVID nineteen pandemic situation in terms of like studying at uni? Because I know a lot of people have had a lot of kind of mixed kind of experiences. Have you been able to kind of work from home and that sort of thing? It's been a challenge.
1: As it has for a lot of people, I know. Um, Yeah, so last March, I think, was when it all started hitting and the lab was closed for a good few months. Oh, wow. Um, So we all had to start working from home, which was very challenging. Obviously, sudden, unpredictable changes Mm -hmm. can be particularly difficult. Um, for autistic people so I was I, I had a really tough time mm. in adapting to working from home and because I'm an experimentalist primarily um, I couldn't do any of my experiments that I've been planning and I had mm. to switch my focus to more computational work so I do computer models of some of the things that I'm looking at in the lab and then I can compare those models which use the theoretical physics to what I'm actually observing in the lab Mm -hmm. and that that can be really powerful but I wasn't really expecting to have quite so much of my project to be modeling and computational and it's not I enjoy it but I don't enjoy doing it day in day out Um, yeah I am in my element in the lab I love you know wandering around doing all the alignment all the kinetic stuff in the lab really it really mm-hmm. makes me super happy so yeah I had to adapt to yeah. um being at home and, and doing more of that but the good thing was I did get to see a lot more of my cat so it oh, was positive <laughs> um yeah but I think after three or four months maybe I can't remember it's all a blur so not the best memory in the world um we could start booking in a couple of days a week on various equipment so for the last six months or so i have been going in Mm -hmm. um a couple of times a week to do that laboratory work which has been really good so I'm at a place now where, where it all feels okay, but there were certainly times where I just felt so out of control, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get everything done. And mm-hmm. ugh, yeah, it was, it was tough. i think it has been for a lot of people
0: yeah yeah that's very true but i mean even you know like you say for your like working pattern to change that's enough like to kind of throw you off course and the fact that you weren't able to like get in and do practical stuff like that sounds really difficult like you know that's part of what you love and you enjoy like to have that taken away for a bit must have been like yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh well i'm glad like it's like you know open and like bookable now that's that's good that it's kind of getting back to whatever normal was
1: (laughs) yeah it's still really weird because you have to you know you have to wear your mask when you go in and then Mm -hmm. everybody sort of has to stand back to let people through in the corridor and and yeah we have to do covid tests once a week just Mm -hmm. to make sure that that we're you know clear and and aren't gonna spread it around at all so Mm -hmm. I also had to get used to doing that as well because that's really weird
0: sticking a swab up your nose and things (laughs) yeah I was gonna say like sensory wise how do you find like doing COVID tests and masks and that sort of thing because I know how difficult it is to tolerate a mask
1: (laughs) yeah the mask is kind of on and off if I'm if I'm having a particularly like very sensitive day then it, it can be a bit hard but mostly I'm okay with that i i don't find it too bad but the covid tests are really challenging um but they have now started we're allowed to use the ones you do at home now so i did one of those this week and that wasn't as bad i didn't have to go into like the big hall with blaring music and lots of (laughs) other people wandering around so i could just do it at home and that was better but it's still it's just really odd it's not the kind of thing you do day to day so it just yeah. feels weird um, yeah no I um, get I get why we need to do it though like and behind yeah. all of the science so yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly but I, I definitely get you like I definitely prefer to do it at home rather than like in a hall with a load of different people like wandering in and out like it's also like a kind of private thing to like stick a swab up <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was and there was also one time
1: they changed the, the protocol for doing it so suddenly you had to show your email like confirming your appointment and then you had to like scan a new thing and put your email in and it threw me so much but when I got back I emailed my disability mentor and I said like by the way everything's changed and I listed out all the things that had changed and I was like feel free to send this to people because I think other people are going to panic as well apparently that really helped so yeah even those tiny changes it I'd got into the routine of what it was like before, and mm-hmm. then it was just like suddenly so, there's probably these tiny things that most people would ignore, but for me it was like this huge thing yeah. that I had to deal with on the spot, and it was yeah.
0: Oh, I'm glad so, you gave like feedback to help other people because yeah, if, I'm sure mm-hmm. you know you found that a lot of other people were like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so tricky. Um, and <laughs> so, have, have you like managed to find time to kind of? you know whilst like working remotely and stuff like that to kind of delve into other special interests and like hobbies and stuff like I feel like you do a lot of knitting is that right?
1: I do I do a lot of knitting (laughs) I knitted two cardigans last year so I had a lot of time for that (laughs) and I taught myself how to to do cabling as well so that was quite fun and my other main special interest is gardening Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so I'm very lucky to have a little garden in our tiny rented two up two down um okay. so I, I did manage to spend quite a bit of time out in the garden um at least oh. during the summertime For the winter not so much but mm-hmm. things are starting to get going now i've been enjoying the tulips recently they've been looking lovely so yeah oh. lots of gardening lots of knitting um and reading as well that's always something that i i I like to do a lot. So, yeah. And trying to make time for, for those special interests and, and having that downtime is something I talk with my mentor about a lot and how important it is for recharging um, and, and just helping combat the day-to-day, like, overwhelm of everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> And also it's so difficult like if you are working at home to like almost set those boundaries like you know if you're working in like I work in my bedroom like it's so difficult to know when to like stop and start the day and like whereas with if you're out out like on campus or at an office you kind of know the timings of the day mm. whereas you kind of have to make your own schedule and stuff like that and like you say like you don't want to get burnt out by like overworking but it's hard to know.
1: <laughs> yeah I definitely find find that challenging as well. But we recently moved my desk into another room, and that's helped a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, having like a separate space that isn't my bedroom. Yeah. But yeah, it's so hard to switch off as well because when I have to commute in, it's like the commuting time is my time when I process everything and then I can turn myself, switch myself off on work Mm -hmm. to relax in the evening, but I don't have that working from home. Although working from home, I do... I do find I'm much more productive and um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of sensory aspects that are much more in my control at home so there's yeah. you know there's pros and cons yeah like no. my, my partner is so good at switching off from work I find it amazing I'm very jealous
0: oh. I just I just know that the laptop's there and it's like oh but you know I could turn it on and be back at work <laughs> mm, mm, yeah exactly it's too close <laughs> but it's interesting like what you say like there are there's definitely like pros and cons like working from home and you know especially if you've got like family or like a partner around like you don't want to get like i don't know like in the way and stuff like <laughs> you don't want to be there like 24 7 but like exactly what you said about like i usually work in an open plan office when it's not you know pandemic times but uh-huh. i think people just don't realize the amount of like sensory like hell (laughs) an open plan office can be and like everyone eating their lunch and everyone chatting at their desk and people coming in on bikes and hanging up their fluorescent jackets it's like people ah. yeah
1: yeah I think well the thing about open plan is as well I think it's challenging even for neurotypical people so Mm. let alone us trying to manage everything and all these inputs and stuff yeah Yeah. i don't know i i hope they go away soon because i don't think they're helpful (laughs) for anyone you know
0: so do i i think like i get like it packs a lot of people in one space but Mm -hmm. yeah it's It's efficient yeah Yeah, it's efficient but it's not like a productive space (laughs) Mm -hmm, for sure yes i'm with you on that (laughs) so is there anything else that we you wanted to mention that we hadn't I think you have like a little blog going on as well yeah lab.
1: yeah my blog is notesfromthephysicslab.com mm-hmm. um it's kind of an extension of of my instagram so like i said i've been micro blogging i like to call it on instagram yeah um <laughs> since about uh december 2018 but mm-hmm. um the blog's a bit more recent and that's to do some longer form writing because you have that character limit that you can't go over on Instagram. And I am an incredibly <laughs> verbose person, so I like to use more words. Um, but yeah, so the, the blog is starting to get going. I find it a bit hard to find the time to do it, but um, there's a few bits on there um, about PhD life and some other things. Um, yeah, it's essentially my Instagram, but more wordy.
0: More um, long form, nice. Yeah,
1: yeah. I also oh I do have a YouTube channel, but I haven't posted since June. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I am hoping to, to start doing that a bit more, maybe when I'm in the write up stage of my PhD. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so yeah, that's nature from the physics lab as well. Trying to stay on brand there. Nice. Um, and there's some good from- videos, yeah. Oh, thank like, you. I think like there's a really good mix of like you know you talking about like, your PhD, but also like autism as well. So I think people mm. should go check it out. Despite the fact you haven't you know uploaded for a bit, there's still like some good content sat there. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's there if people want to watch it yeah uh yeah apart from that I
1: do some science writing um outside of my blog so yeah. I've done a few articles for physics world and a site called massive science because okay. I enjoy doing kind of translating physics for lay people um that's very much based in the physics world though um, mm-hmm. rather than anything equality diversity and inclusion um but yeah no that's pretty much everything i do i think i mean
0: that's a lot of things it's <laughs> enough to keep you busy <laughs> yeah, yeah i like to keep busy you know yeah i'm with you on that it keeps you kind of like distracted but also just kind of motivated as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure that's good oh well it's been really nice to chat to you i can't believe we've been chatting for like 40 minutes already <laughs> it's gone so quick <laughs> i always say that <laughs> i'm always like oh it's gone so quick um but yeah i'll pop all your links to everything that you've mentioned um in the show notes and yeah hopefully people will have enjoyed this episode thank you for having me it's been really lovely to talk to you No worries, i really appreciate it and as someone that i've like followed online it's really nice to like almost like put a voice to a name
1: yeah
0: (laughs) i've seen your videos obviously but it's just nice to chat (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: i'm a real human you know (laughs) she exists
0: it's all good (laughs) well thank you again and um yeah hopefully i'll be back with another podcast soon so yeah did you want to say bye (laughs) bye